Hi guys, welcome to the Cranker Comedy Podcast. I'm Ross. Hello, I'm Chris. We're here with our special guest, Mark Metaphor. It's really nice to be here. And special comments, Wendy Torbett. Wendy Torbett, she's back again. (laughs) Special requests from the audience. They love her. She's back. We keep getting emails. Yeah. Did anybody request me or is it just that you record it at my house? Requests. We haven't got any emails. (laughs) Ross, do you have a new jingle today? Oh, yes. Um, So, yeah. I feel like you might not have thought of one. You seem like you hadn't thought of one. I haven't thought of one, but I'll make one up. Cranker Comedy Podcast. Welcome to the Cranker Comedy Podcast. Podcast. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, that was really like <laughs> that was nice. a Monty Python hymn kind of. Oh, thing thanks. Whenever Chris and I used to do the Mark and Chris show, we'd start by going, hey, and like leading into the camera, but it's just ripping off your way. It's really a head gesture that they obviously can't see at home because we're yeah. in audio. So, you guys, for the listeners listening, yeah. That's what listeners normally do. You guys used to have your own podcast. It was a video show. It was like, yeah, you wouldn't, wouldn't even call it a, a podcast, would you? It's just us just talking to a YouTube thing and talking about Pokemon Go. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, is this like a crossover? Can people go back and, like, watch? Yeah, yeah there's channels still up there. There's a, yeah. there's a Facebook page, The Mark and Chris Show. And I highly recommend the live-action role-play video. We did a sketch. That was probably the last thing we did. Yeah. <laughs> So when I was thinking of people to have on this, it was like, well, we've got to have Mark on, not only because you're friends of ours, but you were such a big part of Crank a Comedy in the early years. You know, I'm talking sort of like... Back when it was fortnightly. Yeah, yeah. 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 You did a bit of character comedy. You, you played different characters. You were Even when you, you weren't performing, you came um, and supported lots. Well, once every year on my Facebook memories, I see you pop up that... Tonight I'm missing the first cranker that I've missed in 18 months. And I reckon that was sort of in the smack bang in the middle of my sort of three-year run in comedy. So I probably only missed one in that three years. And I think it's because I was moving house. And again, this was back when I was fortnightly. I'm sure you're getting regulars now who are coming pretty regularly on the weekly. Yeah, but I really feel that when it was fortnightly, that's when like we were, you know, really building the gig. And it wasn't just you, like you you brought your friends and there was a little community and like it was just a nice vibe. Like I remember those gigs like a lot. And then you got up and you did Elvis. I remember, was that the first gig or was that? Yeah, my first spot at Cranker was terrible. I did this thing about this guy on a tightrope and so I did it on one leg and I never did the spot again it just it just didn't land but by the same token I don't know if the Elvis bit landed either so basically the shtick of that one was shtick I called it the king of kings and I'm dressed as Elvis but I want people over the course of the five minute gag to realize that I'm Jesus as well so it'd be jokes like blue suede sandals or are oh, you've seen my face on a toasted sandwich in vegas i assure you heaps of my faces have been on toasted sandwiches in vegas but because it took like five minutes for the audience to get the joke it was kind of this kind of like running gag was like what the hell is happening here but i, I enjoyed people not getting <laughs> it for a while it's part of it didn't you do i remember also one gig where you did it sort of like a spooky you had like a, a flashlight yeah, yeah, a yeah. Flashlight. Well, that's that's what i actually did when i did um the raw comedy state finals okay. and what was cool about that is i won the heat for that And then I was nervous about performing that without a microphone. So basically I just had a light 
under my face and I asked for the lights to be taken out. And then I basically just told like a first world problem sort of horror story about like, oh, your charger won't fit into your phone. And then the climax of it is oh, 3% battery, 2%, 1%, and then, and then I turn off the torch. But I remember after winning the heat, I was nervous about whether it would work in a big theater. And Greg Fleet, bless him, with his like mock British accent that I'm sure a lot of other people have heard if they ever talked to Greg Fleet was like, it's a theatre, Mark. It's designed for sound. Just hit that back wall as hard as you can. And I did, and it was probably the best best set I did. I was really happy with that one. That's cool. It was just nice that, like, when I turned the torch off the end and this 300-seat theatre was just completely plunged into darkness except for the exit signs, which you obviously have to keep over for, for you know, our health and safety things. And I just remember this, like, thunderous, deafening applause, or at least that's the way I remember it. And just to, to hear that wash over me, like, in pitch black. It was just mm, delicious. Did you get to the Royal Comedy State Finals, Ross? No. Neither did I. My, my first spot <laughs> ever of stand-up was, or official stand-up, was a raw... A raw heat? A raw heat, yeah. Do you remember what your material was? Yeah. I did this bit about um, Tom Cruise the movie. Like, you know, you've seen him in... You've seen him in Mission Impossible. You've seen him in Jerry Maguire. You've yeah. seen him in Nicole Kidman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Tom Cruise, the movie. And then like when and then like I did this controversial bit about um Hitler in therapy, right? Like imagine Hitler in therapy, like I'm uh-huh. trying to you know, like and then I had a few comics come up to me afterwards and go, hey, man, you should give it another go. Oh, okay. And then, then so that was kind of encouraging. But I made some good friends from that gig. Like Jared Fitch was like, you know, you should do it again. Then I formed a friendship with him. Lukey Dix was like in the same heat as me. And then because of that, we kind of formed this kind of, you know, friendship. So, yeah, it was it's nice, yeah. I remember Jason Chong and Eddie Bannon were hosts on the different nights that I did it. And just to have them pull me aside afterwards and, I know, they're just really, really warm chaps and to hear the encouragement straight from them, it was just really lovely. Wendy, Wendy? Did, did you do Raw Heat? Yeah, I did um, two by myself and then when I was working with Lord Stumpy for a while, we did another one. Um, I think I definitely did some things that they couldn't show on ABC <laughs> in, the, in the time slot. Ross, I'm sure you have thoughts about this. I, I've just noticed that when new comics are just starting out, they misinterpret the difference between a release of tension in the audience and genuine laughter. And so there becomes this kind of like reinforcement of, oh, when I swore or said something a bit off colour, I could sense this nervous release in the audience. And so I'm going to keep doing that. It takes you like six months to kind of go, oh, wait, that's different than, you know, I'm going to stop being the swearing guy or whatever. I've noticed that the Adelaide scene seems to be more sort of lefty, woke, sensitive, especially sort of like from a feminist angle and I've seen sometimes some Sydney or Melbourne comedians come over and do a room and sometimes get pulled aside just by other comedians afterwards and say hey man like things work a little bit differently here in Adelaide like turn down the edge lord a bit hard isn't the right word but it's such a wide very demographic at the cranker I mean if you go to the cranker on on just band nights it's not like the style of the cranker is painted on the walls it's just down to what band is playing that night and on Tuesday nights it's just so full of people who just happen to be at the cranker on a Tuesday night anyway and just waddle into a thing and so it's all mixes of people 
Yeah. It's generally a really friendly, welcoming audience, I think, yeah. and they allow comedian and comedians tell me they feel safe there and they can experiment a little yeah. bit, and that's what that's kind of good because as a performer you need that. And if you go too far, they won't laugh, and then you're like, okay, I know, you know, yeah. I went too far there. What do you want to talk about next, Russ? I don't know. I like the conceptual like angle we're talking about. You know, like styles of comedy and stuff. And I know that you and I have often talked about like comedy theory a lot yeah i'm interested in what is comedy like when you you gave me that simon critchley book which is immensely um like helpful to me and i've got my own copy and and yeah yeah so you said what is comedy like let's so obviously we even i can't remember which other episode you touched on this it might have been the kim lee one yeah we talk about the different styles of comedy congruity um so superiority theory tension I'm big on the tension one and you and I have talked about Steve Martin before. So Mm. if like Freud's theory was that a setup creates a tension and then a punchline releases it in Steve Martin's autobiography, born standing up, he talks about, well, what if like you just never release the tension and then each individual in the audience needs to find their own bubbling over point. And you can hear it when you listen to Steve Martin stand up instead of this kind of like collective wave of laughter. It's just these like little bubbles in the audience. It's just like people just going, what the f***, you know, like, and it it pops out, you know? And I kind of like that. I mean, now that I'm doing burlesque, I can see that that tension thing is, is really what I keep doubling down on. This kind of comedy burlesques that I enjoy the most have this kind of like, Instead of it being a steady thing, it's like, blah, 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 boom, this explosion of some kind of like release of that tension. Is that why you uh, decided to go and uh, transition a bit to burlesque um, and keep some comedy chops? Burlesque found me before I found burlesque. So my comedy was becoming increasingly physical. I mean, my comedy was always very character based. And then as it became more and more physical when I was talking less and less, I started to think, well, maybe something more like clowning is sort of more where I'm leaning towards. But with more nudity. I don't know. It was going to happen when my last two cranker gigs, I set myself on fire twice. It was, it was, it was time, it was the time to go. Paper. It was time to go and try. He's on fire. Because, I mean, you were there when I set fire to my face, right? But did you know about me setting fire to myself what? out the back the year before? Uh, I, I set fire to my hands? I th- what? I, th- I think you told me about it. What? Okay, so, <laughs> so my last three can- cranky gigs were the one I hosted as Trump, which was funnier then than it is post-election. That's, that's a whole other thing. And then basically I was doing this like French mime bit and I had like magician's flash paper where when you set fire to it, it's meant to completely disappear. And I basically like made it into like a cigar and it just had a lot of like French tropes about pulling legs off of Kermit to be French legs and stuff like that. But while I was in the back change room, which is like a locked bathroom with just for yourself, I was refilling my Zippo with lighter fluid and spilled it all over my polyester gloved hands that are sewn into the outfit they're not like separate gloved hands and then like the idiot that i am i tested my lighter and my hands burst into flames 
And I started like obviously trying to pat myself down. But again, the whole outfit is polyester. So everywhere, oh everywhere I pat myself down, I just burst into flames further, like under my armpits and my crotch and stuff. And thankfully after what felt like an eternally, I found a, a moppy bucket of water in the corner. And managed to pat That's got to be clean. <laughs> Was this on stage? No, no, no. I was I was first on stage, like, and then Mark Ryan introduced me and I went on stage and had a fantastic set. Now cut forward 18 months and Ross asked me to do and I said, Oh, I know you haven't done it in a while. And I said, Oh, well, this would be an opportunity for me to get some work friends to come and see this comedy stuff that I used to do. That's right. And so I made another um cigarette out of this last little bit of my magician's flash paper but because i use like glue stick to roll it up it obviously just dries into flour making it really really combustible so when i set fire on stage it just engulfed my face in flames <laughs> and even outside of the cranker room in the rest of the bar people kept saying do you smell burning hair and then two days later i got like a blood nose so obviously i inhaled fire into my sinuses um, I feel like wow. your life, it's like somehow your stories, they're like a cross between like, I don't know, Mr. Bean, Jackass and a porno. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah increasingly so. <laughs> My auntie, she works with like, uh, she's like a play therapist that works with kids that have like burnt themselves. And apparently, you know, when you do that thing that like if you yeah. fart into like a spray can or a lighter, like sometimes it works, but the trouble is, Quite often, it goes like up yeah, your. Yeah, the, the gas up goes. Because yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. So what kind of cushions do you reckon Whoopi Goldberg has on her couch? Whee. Whee. Oh, Whoopi. <laughs> <laughs> so if I see opening, I go for it. Ooh. It's important to build a bum callus. Mm. Wow, this I don't know what you're going to entitle this podcast. Oh, so <laughs> don't colours, put your two-minute noodles in the microwave and then sit on them with sit them on, on them. Yeah, sit sit down with them on your lap. Oh, okay. What if you strain them? Because we're talking about the kind of what like. What do you say about straining, Russ? Are you trying to like feed, <laughs> like set me up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's quite a strain. <laughs> All right, let's. Um, mm-hmm. Well, what do you guys want to talk about? Oh, no, you've made know. it weird now. Yeah, <laughs> I've made it weird. We ask our guests about board games they play. Oh, but yes. you've you've recently dumped all yours in a fire that you burnt yourself with. Yeah. Well, Why? Yes Why no. did that happen? No, no, I just, I just no. sold them all because they were just sitting on my shelf just, just gathering dust and mm. friends. The only, the only friends who were playing them was Chris and I occasionally. And A tear rolled down Wendy's well, face. Well, I mean... Chris one, and I, Chris tier. and I used to be utterly obsessed with board games, and we were talking about like board game design Listen for quite to podcasts a while. As, as I know you've done with your with your Eat It, um, the uh, card project. game. Buy it online now in time for Christmas. But I don't know. I mean, uh, Hive, Hive is a very good. Yeah, what ones did you hang on to? That's probably a good rating. Of... I hung on to Dominion because that's just a very very elegant deck builder. Um, Hive, I don't know if you've played that, Russ. Oh, you'd love it. Any chess fan would love Hive. So it's just basically um, tiles with insects on them and then you've got to surround the queen bee but like each bug kind of does what you would expect it to so like (laughs) the mosquito can absorb the powers of the one next to it or the rhino beetle can like climb up on other ones and stuff it just sounds like you're making it up like it is really good and come back next week for burlesque or board game um take it or leave it uh mark mark dream partner but they are cross-eyed Oh, yeah, right. No, I know everyone's going to have an idiosyncrasy and that's okay. In fact, there's this 
mathematician called Hannah Fry. Um, uh, and she does lots of podcasts and she's very, very lovely. And she did this, um, science of love or mathematics of love book. And she was doing a deep dive on big data using Tinder data and people who are conventionally attractive, but with one conventionally unattractive trait get more swipes than people who are just generally conventionally attractive without a trait. And we can all think, oh, you know, this person's gorgeous, but they've got a gap tooth or this person is gorgeous, but they've got a beauty spot or something like that. You need something to remember like, oh, you know, oh, that babe with the schnoz, you know, I need, I need something to. A distinguishing feature. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, Ross dream partner, but they light their rectum on fire a random time every year. (laughs) They light their rectum on fire. Are they lighting it or is it just 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 come out in flaming farts? Maybe it's purpose. Maybe it's by accident. (laughs) Is Mark my dream partner? <laughs> this, is very, this is very much like that <laughs> the bed one that you said <laughs> the other week. It's a the classic. Like, it's a classic. The peep, the things that people remember about the Cranker podcast is yeah. the windy song and <laughs> the bed. I just wanted to go on the record and say, Mark Metaphor, a huge supporter of Cranker yeah. comedy. Yeah. You, you have been over the years and, you know, you haven't been there recently, but you're kind of there in spirit. And it's, it's guys like you who supported the gig early on that allowed it to sort of flourish. So, like, thank you, man. I, I, I constantly see Facebook memories pop up of like not only my involvement in Cranker, but the involvements I had with you just in general, Ross, like just things like Lissa Strata, the play that we did together about like the, the Trojan women going on a sex strike. So I loved Lissa Strata. It was, was just, really good. The, the, I took all, the all of it, all of my years of doing all that creative pursuits was just really, really fun and fulfilling and made me feel like I kind of comfortable in not knowing what I was doing. If that was making and like that kind of creative ongoing process or something. And it was just, um, um, like you do for so many people in the community, it's just a warm, welcoming place to find your feet and be silly in a serious way. Be serious about the silly. Mm, that's really lovely. Right. And it looks like we're towards the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh, no, they're at the end. Oh, no, they're fine. They're with- oh, and it's all oh, Crank a Comedy Podcast by a head there. Is that, am I topping it? I don't know. Uh, you topped it. Oh, no, yeah, right yeah I think you topped it, yeah. There you go. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, <laughs> get, get, and Happy New Year. Get tested. Happy get Hanukkah. Eat it on eBay. Happy and, Holidays. Uh, <laughs> um, you can listen to the podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, there's Spotify, iTunes, and Google, and Facebook. Um, um, did you like the show? What? You're asking me. Yeah. <laughs> if I if like... you did, you can donate. Oh. At PayPal. Oh, you're, you're prompting <laughs> this. And it, yeah, if you... Because, like, Cranky Comedy's run, like, pay what you think, <laughs> donation. Um, so we've tried to mimic that in the podcast. So Chris has set up, like, a PayPal thing. So, like, you can you can donate any amount you want if you want to support um, live and recorded comedy. So, yeah, any amount you want, even if it's, like, $2.75. Yeah, I guess he never really explained the donation link. Crank is a donated donate entry. Yeah, because some show. people listening to this may ne- have never actually been to a crank of comedy. Yeah. They might be somewhere else. But basically, yeah, the crank poor poor people. Ah, uh, yeah, when you're in Adelaide, come along. Yeah, crank of comedy. It's like pay what you think, so it's very accessible, and you know we're trying to make make this accessible as well. So yeah, hope you enjoyed it. Especially supporting it now when everyone's like not able to actually experience it properly. Supporting it in lieu. 
Who knows when this comes out? They might yeah, but be this able will be to... Christmas, so yeah, this is it coming <laughs> yeah, out at Christmas. Yeah. Is this now a Christmas episode? Oh, this is a Christmas yeah, episode. Yeah. Christmas okay. cold. Oh, there'll be lovely bell chimes. Yeah, yeah, it'll be yeah. delayed, so it might be a few months, yeah. Mark. But um, wish you a happy cranker. We wish you a happy cranker. cranker. We wish you a happy cranker and a happy cranker. new cranker. Cranker. What did you say, Joe? You joke. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. I might put that at the start. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 way in a manger. <laughs> <laughs>